Hello, and welcome to the Bookish Banter Podcast, where we'll be sharing our opinions about our favorite books, authors, and bookish impulse buys. Follow along on our journey to finishing and sharing our endless TBR. Go ahead and subscribe, leave us a review, and follow us on our Instagram and TikTok at the Bookish Banter Podcast. Let's get started. This episode does not contain any spoilers outside of The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Trigger warnings for this book include domestic abuse, homophobia, physical abuse, racism, sexism, statutory rape, abortion, and suicide mentioned. Hello. Hello. How's it going? It is going. It is going. It's been quite the week out here in Nashville. Work has been obscenely insane no it's good it's been good I've actually read a lot this month and it's been good it's been a good month so far so how about you how's everything going with you fun it's been good I got my rep package for stacking pages last week and I'm obsessed with it and I've been trying to be really good about my book buying ban and just like hanging out and I'm like prepping I have a lot of trips coming up in September yeah I've been I've tried I've been trying to be good I'm like renting things on my kindle and from the library for some of these newer ones and trying to go back to being better about thrifting and stuff like that. Not tempting yeah. myself. What about you? Yeah. I've been, for me, again, if I buy books more often than not, it's from book outlet. I haven't ventured to a bookstore in quite some time. Um, just cause things are getting a little dicey here in Nashville with all the COVID stuff. Um, so I'm like, I'm just going to stay in my house. I'm traveling in a little bit. So it's like, for me, it's like, I don't want to get sick before I go travel. So I'd rather just like stay home for a little while. So, um, but as far as bookish things, I don't think I've bought any like bookish things lately. Yeah. I'm just ready for like fall season and the changing of the leaves and cozying up with a book even more. Um, it's been really rainy here in Nashville. So I'm it's kind of that, like, I just want to cozy up in a blanket and read a book and drink some tea and light a candle. <laughs> yeah, that sounds nice. I'm excited for cooler weather. We don't have fall here, but I'm excited for the cooler weather. What are seasons in Arizona? There's no such thing. <laughs> Never heard of her. There's like hot and slightly less hot. <laughs> yeah, so. Never heard of seasons. What are those? What, what are this? <laughs> yeah. You'll just have to come out here and well, you'll be out here in September. Yeah, Hopefully the leaves will be changed by then and you get to see the pretty, the pretty leaves. Seasons. I know I get to wear yeah. long sleeves. Can't wait. Yep. Good yes. stuff. Good what stuff. are we chatting about today? We are talking about The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. This is a book that if you are on Instagram, if you are on Book Talk, if you are on any of the bookish interwebs, this book is everywhere. I mean, if still you have like gone to an airport recently or a bookstore or Target. This is a very, very popular book. Yeah. If you and have not heard of this book, general you're living bookish. under a rock. Yeah. Like I, I, in it, I mean, it's, it's worth the hype. I think it's worth the hype. Um, I, I really enjoyed reading it. I don't think I, I think it's worth the hype. It's a really good book. It's really well written. The story is so good and just so intense. Um, probably not my favorite read this year by 
by far, but I did enjoy it. I really did enjoy it. And I think it's worth the hype. As Jordan would say, objectively, really good book. (laughs) You know, it's a good book, not like your favorite, but like objectively, we're well aware that this is like a good book. Objectively, you know, it's written well and it's, uh, it's a good story, but maybe not your favorite. Like, yeah. So, um, yeah, I thought this was like a really captivating book. Like it it really draws you into the story. You're super interested in what's going to happen next. And I feel like Mm -hmm. I, I could put, put the book down, but I was always thinking about like what, what was going to happen next. And I feel like at yeah. the end of every section that Evelyn is like giving her story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go back to kind of Monique's point of view or, or what have you like that, those parts were just like, I was like captivated. Yeah. And Definitely. it really like sucks you in. And I'm, I'd be interested to read her other books. I think for me, Malibu rising is probably going to be one that's more in my realm of things that I like, yeah. cause it's the eighties and the party scene and that kind of thing. And for me, that sounds more interesting. Daisy Jones and the six is like not hundred percent what I feel like would be my vibe, but I have heard, I didn't realize this until like a couple weeks ago that she has like a happily ever after an I do series or something like that. That's something oh. about weddings that came pre all these like decade things people said were really good. So I think those would be good too, because I think those would be more you're in my vibe of like the yeah. romantic with some sort of twist, like comedic or tragic of some love form, that I'm thinking they are, love that. but I do really like her writing style and I think she did a good job. Yeah. My sister read Daisy Jones and the six and she said she really liked it. She said she didn't like it as much as Evelyn Hugo, but she said she really liked it. Her writing style is just so it's so good. I mean, it just like brings you into the story and you can just see the like glitz and glam of like old time Hollywood, you know what I mean? And it's so, but then you also see kind of the underbelly of it and how it's just like, you know, these things happen, but obviously you're not, you're not a part of that scene, quote unquote. And it's hard to um, imagine. I mean, it's, it was, I thought it was really cool if she was bringing up these places like the Pantages my sister and I have been there a few times for like shows and things like that. And so, and it's a really cool place. And so it was really funny though, reading it and her being like, yeah, these award shows were there. And you, she talks about, you know, when you're in there, it's not as big as it makes it seem, you know, these cameras make it seem kind of like this fishbowl effect of like this huge auditorium and you're on the outside looking in kind of a thing. When really it's not, it's not that big of a place and it really isn't. I mean, it's a cool, it's an awesome theater, but it's not as big of a place as you would imagine like an award show being, you know? And so, um, you, so yeah, I mean, I thought that was kind of a cool thing. Cause it's like, Oh, I've been there. Like I've, I've been to that place. And so that was really cool to kind of, um, hear about these places and things like that, that, um, that she had been to that, you know, that, I don't know. It, it was just cool for me to, to kind of hear things like yeah, that. Like it's but. very, she did a good job of like pinpointing iconic places and like you really feeling like you were in the setting and it's all accurate to real life, which you and I don't read a, a ton of like yeah. these style, essentially fiction novels, but they're set in sort of like a modern time or they they're, they're real. They could have happened. Um, it's just like fictional people. So yeah, I thought, I thought that was really cool too. And you really got the vibe of her, like, you know, driving down Rodeo drive and like shopping there and then going to the, like the soda shop and all that kind of stuff. And this is obviously set in the fifties, but it's, it was cool to read the like iconic places that they put in there. And you're like, this is all very realistic. And for me, Evelyn, I know this isn't like accurate to her, but for me, when I was reading it, she reminded me of like Marilyn Monroe that's how I kind of pictured her as like yeah. that iconic type of style. Yeah. The blonde hair and the dark eyebrows and, you know, her being like, what do they call her? Like a sex pot and all that kind of stuff. So that's how I pictured her in my head was like, yeah. Monroe. I just, it was so good. It was so well-written. 
Um, I loved how she broke it out by husband. Yeah. Um, that was probably one of my favorite things. There are two things that I really love how she broke it out by husband and the very last line of the book. It's my favorite. You kind of start this story with Monique, who is a journalist and her boss brings her in and she's like, okay, um, Evelyn Hugo wants you to do an exclusive interview. And, you know, she's basically Evelyn is um, auctioning off a bunch of her like famous dresses and all the money's going to breast cancer research. Um, Her daughter had recently passed away from breast cancer. And so she's, you know, she's very involved in that and the LGBTQ plus community, et cetera, and a lot of different charities. Um, And so she hasn't done an interview, like an exclusive interview for a very long time. And she requested Monique specifically. And there she's like, I don't know why she requested you. And I was kind of like, this boss is kind of rude. Like, how did you feel about this whole interaction with her boss at the very beginning? Yeah, I thought that was, it was just a little bit strange. I feel like her boss was just so mean to her and was like, you're not worth it. But we did hire you for a specific reason. So she had written this article essentially about um, the right to assisted suicide. And that article is brought up a couple of times about how like, it was so moving and you know that Monique is a good writer and this sort of puts the backbone of why we like Monique and what we think she's gonna be able to do at the end of this and so it's like she brought that up and was like you're an amazing writer like that's why we hired you but you're still so low on the totem pole and I think we I don't know this because I'm not in journalism or any of that but I think we see this a lot in like media and these movies and shows and things like that where it's like a scrappy young bottom of the barrel like journalist just like makes their way to the top Lois Lane style and becomes like an editor or whatever it is so I I thought it was a little on the nose for me that she has a mean editor and tells her she's worthless but like you have to take this um so that part I didn't really love I honestly didn't love Monique as like a character like I thought she was a good character but I just didn't feel like she was that necessary if we're being honest I got it because you know we wanted to bring it back to the present time and like have that but her additional parts where she's like in her apartment and like talking to herself and her like her ex-husband and all that stuff I I don't know I just I wouldn't like love her character so I was like yeah I thought it was going to be set up where she it was going to be more about her Mm -hmm. like more about her like telling the story if that makes sense like it was going to be more about her like journal articles and that kind of thing so I thought they set it up really well as like okay so she's going to be the protagonist that we want to feel something for and like we want to feel bad for her because her boss is so mean and she's going to come out of this and write this like fabulous article and that's what this is going to be more about but it wasn't. So I just, I was like kind of thrown off, I guess. Yeah. It kind of, I was like, took a so... took sharp left turn and you're like, yeah. Oh, okay. Wait, hold on. So, yeah. I mean, I was just, it really annoyed me when the boss was like, yeah, we sent over a bunch of different names and she refused and said, she's not doing it unless it's you. I'm like, how shitty if someone like requested you specifically and your boss was like, didn't even tell you. And she's like, no, these people are better. Like that just like, Oh, that was like, Oh, that's, that would make me so angry. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just that, that like breaks my heart for her when she said that, but yeah, you, you know, feel like she... so bad. Cause right after that, she goes back to her apartment and it's like, my husband just left me and now we're getting a divorce. And like, I don't have a coffee yeah. table because he took it with him. And you're like, wow, she's like, I'm a really rough go of it. And yeah. then you're like, her dad is dead. And like her mom lives far away and yeah. you know, all these things. And you're like, geez, like, this is, this is rough. Like, this poor is thing. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. What a life. Yeah she's having these kind of not really flashbacks, but talking about, you know, her relationship with her husband, et cetera, or ex-husband rather. And how you find out that he left to San Francisco for a job and she stayed 
in New York because she didn't want to move and her job is there. Her career is there. And so that's why they split. He was petty and took the coffee table. <laughs> so I'm like, that's, that's petty, <laughs> but I get it. Um, you know, and so she's, she's having a rough go of it, like you said. And so she eventually, you know, and then it goes to her meeting Evelyn Hugo and, um, she talks about, you know, showing up, et cetera. And how did you feel about, I felt, I felt she was so, I felt like Evelyn was so cagey in these first few moments, like so cagey. And it's like, okay, you asked for her to come to you. Like, that was my thing is like, you specifically asked for her. So why are you being so cagey? And she, you know, explains it later, but how did you feel about this first interaction with Evelyn? Yeah. That's why I was kind of like, okay, this is going to take a weird turn for Monique and her like setting because it felt like very James Bond. Like you get there and it's like, she's in the den. And you're like, okay, what is there? Is there a map? Are you going to take me to said den? You know, it's just so awkward. Like it's such a weird interaction that she's like, I'll take your coat. And you're like, okay, do I get it back? You know, like it, it was just really weird. And then she's like, sit down. I'm not telling you, don't ask questions. And I was like, what, what's going to happen here? And I thought this yeah. is the part where it gets really captivating. Cause obviously she starts to tell the story and stuff, but mm-hmm. I agree. Like I didn't see the twist at the end coming. Oh, yeah, so no. I think re rereading this, I would feel better about the way that like it went for Monique and how that yeah. went. And maybe I would find her to be a more relevant character, but this yeah. first part was so cagey and I was like, so annoyed. And I just kept feeling like her where I was like, I just wanted to shake Evelyn and be like, what's the answer? You know what I mean? Like yeah. answer my questions or like, what, what is, why am I here type of thing? Which I think is a good, I think that's a sign of such a good writer is yeah. you're just like in Monique's shoes and you're like, why? Like, what is the whole point of this? And I also felt like, you know, I felt Evelyn was really cagey and I also felt like she was very, she was pretty unfair about the whole situation. Like, absolutely. Granted, I was just like, what is happening? And she's just like, you know, I'm not giving you an article. Basically the whole premise of it, she goes, I'm, I brought you here under false pretenses. Basically she said, you're here because you're going to write my life story in a book, but you can't publish it until I die. And everyone else who's in here and is going to be mentioned in my story is already dead. So um, yeah, she's like, but I'm going to tell you everything, all the good, the bad, the ugly, everything, my relationships, my family, the, the, everything you know basically telling the truth and she's like but again you can't publish this until I'm dead um I need to make sure that you write this correctly basically is what she's saying and you know and then she says and by the way you're not getting a article from me um so you're gonna have to figure that out with your boss sorry sucks to suck and I was like that's pretty you know and I felt for Monique in this moment she's like okay are you like dying? Like, give me a timeline here. Like, are you like, what, what's going on here? Because like, I could get fired over this and lose my job, lose my apartment, lose everything. Yes. This is a one. And and it was just for Evelyn. She's like, well, this is a great opportunity. So you should just take it. And I'm like, so at that point, yeah. And so at that point, like what, I guess my question to two questions at that point, did you feel like something was sus? And follow up oh, question: yeah. Would you have oh, yeah. done it? And I felt that oh, way yeah. too. But I was like, I still kind of felt like, okay, Evelyn's gonna die like years from now, and she's giving this to her because it's something irrelevant. I didn't see the twist at the end, but saw that thought that like this yeah. is relevant to her in some way. And I thought it was either to do with her article or to do with her family because she had mentioned in the beginning that her dad had worked in like old Hollywood. 
Yeah. And her mom was like, she probably would have never run into Evelyn, but like, would you have taken this if you were Monique? Yes, I would have. I would have 1000%. I mean, okay. Journalism and I mean, as an author and things like that, this would be a story. And and she said, she's like, I'm not giving this to anyone else. So this is only coming out if you write it. She, and it was just very like, it was a very like, this is like a once in a lifetime moment. I mean, and she's like, and you're going to get all the money from it. I, my, literally, I don't have anyone. So you get all the money from this book, all the everything. And um, so it was very, I, I don't blame her. I do not blame her though, for being like, what's the timeline here? Because yes, it's an amazing opportunity, but you're five, five years down the road and Evelyn's still kicking. Like, not that you want her to die, but like, you kind of want her to die so you can make some money. But like, you know what I mean? Like how, how, and I, I, I had the same reaction as Monique. Like, where's this going? Like how long, how, what's, what's the time frame here? Because, but what if she had said like, yeah, I don't know when I'm going to die, but you get to keep this. Would you still have done it? Yeah. Yeah. You could find a job at McDonald's. Like you can figure it out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. At the end of it, it, I feel like it would be worth it because it's like, again, this is a story that only you can tell. You're the only person in the world that can tell this literally life story about one of the most like, just like mysterious women in old Hollywood. You know what I mean? Like how, how cool would that be? You know what I mean? And so, but it would still be really frustrating if she was like, yeah, I don't know when I'm going to die. Maybe like 10, 20 years from now. Cause she's a 60. I mean, she's not super old, you know, or 70. How old is she? 70, 60, 70. She's I don't 72, know. I think. She's still not like super old, you yeah. know? So what? what's, what's, what, 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 you know, I, I don't know, but I would, I would still do it. What about you? Yeah, I definitely think I would have done it. I just was like, I, I didn't see the way that she came up with it to like settle it with her boss and stuff where she was like, that was really good. And I think it, it was a portrayal of how much time she'd been sending to Evelyn and how she like channeled her inner Evelyn. But like, I don't know if I would have had the balls to do that to like say to my boss, like, no, I'm not, I'm writing a book and it's just mine. And you can have like one exclusive, but I have to ask Evelyn first and I'll let you know. But I love that that because so many women in every yeah. single industry and in every corporate America, doesn't matter what you're in, what industry you're in or everything like that. You know, it's a known fact that <laughs> women don't ask for these things because we feel like we have to be perfect. We feel like we have to have every single skill set to achieve a role. Whereas men, on the other hand, don't, you know, they're like, oh, I, I can do like, I, I'm like 50% of this role. I know what I can do. I can figure it out and they'll go for things. Whereas women are like, we need to know every single thing about this job before we apply for it or before we ask for a promotion or ask for a raise, et cetera. And, you know, it's just a product of not really being in the industry, obviously, as long as men, you know, it's, it, it really hasn't been that long that women have been working within corporate America or been able to go to college and get degrees and, you know, do all these things. So when you really think about it in the grand scheme of things, we're still kind of navigating everything. And um, it's, I mean, I think we're doing a great job, but at the same time, women don't tend to ask for raises or promotions or a job or things the way that men do for many different reasons. I love that that was included in here and she just 
went for it. And it's so, it's so cool to see and to read a woman do that. You know what I mean? Cause that's not something I, I don't think that's something that we read a lot about. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think in the journalism world and the fact that she was like so low on the totem pole that she was able to like ask for that was crazy. And that like, I don't know, I just wouldn't, I don't know if I would have had the guts to like say to Evelyn, like you are going to write an exclusive for me for this, you know, whatever. Cause I have to keep my job, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know if it had anything to do with her being a woman. Oh, no, I'm not talking about how she confronted Evelyn. I'm saying in the grand scheme of things of like how she confronted her boss and asked for more and yeah, said, I know no, I'm saying, yeah. But, um, I also loved how she confronted Evelyn. It was like, I'm doing this. So either you get on board with it or I walk out now. Yeah. Cause obviously Evelyn wants her story told. She's not doing this because she doesn't want her story told. So yeah, I, I thought it was wild, like just the way that she went about it and how like her character changed so much throughout the story and her being like, I finally have the guts to say to my husband, like maybe it wasn't love maybe it was just infatuation and like comfortable and I want like a passionate life like Evelyn had and that kind of thing. And she just became like such a different person at the end. Yeah, it was, I liked her. I liked Monique's kind of arc throughout the whole story. And it was so intense because she, you always had this like nagging feeling in the back of your mind of just like, why is Monique there? when we get to it I'll, I'll we'll talk about it but um yeah so I guess now we can talk about the husbands and Evelyn <laughs> how did you feel about husband number one in that whole situation that was so weird like it just felt so short-lived but I guess that's how she ended up with seven husbands and it's like you think that sounds like a crazy amount and each one ended in such a way that you were like okay that totally makes sense like this is where we're going so she's you know young and living essentially in the slums of New York city and wants to get out of there. Here's from a friend that another friend is going to LA and she lies to him, tells him she's 18 and she's actually 15 and like moves to LA. And it's like, this was such a glitz and glamor version of how people like do anything to go to LA and like what to make their dreams come true and become a movie star and blah, blah, blah. And she talks about how her mom died young and her dad was abusive and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, so you know that she's like tough, like she's from Hell's Kitchen. She had a crazy, like, you know, Cuban dad and her mom, she lost her mom when she was a really young kid. So she's like kind of willing to do anything. And I liked how manipulative, I guess that's probably the wrong word, but I liked how manipulative she was of her first husband and was like, I'm going to cook him dinner and do all these things. And like, I had to ask him to spend my money. And I think this, this book was really jarring because it talks about women in the fifties and a lot of big issues that happened to them back then that I don't think we like necessarily think about. And how she had a very, and I know this is because it's the way it's written, but she had a very 2021 mindset in how she wanted to do things. And I'm sure that women had that back then, but it's not something that like, I think we've ever gotten a chance to really see or read about. So I think that's why Taylor Reed Jenkins does such a good job with these decade pieces. And like, they become so popular because we think about things that happened way back then, how different life was. And it's like, it's really, I think, jarring to read that. So, you know, she makes her first big, not big break, but she makes her first, you know, actress moment and gets paid and then asks just to ask her husband to use her money to pay for acting classes. Um, and you know, does all that kind of stuff and kind of sleeps her way to the top at 15. Yeah. And then is like, bye quickie divorce. See you later. And like gets out of it. That was wild. Well, it was crazy. Cause it was like Harry so much he you know he's just like so you're gonna have to do you want to go on a date with this other guy and she's like I'm married and he's like I know do you want to go on a date with this other guy and she's like yep he's like we can get the marriage and old got the marriage and old and that was it I mean it was just like 
or divorce or whatever. And, you know, and she's like, I heard he ended up with a nice wife and they had a bunch of kids and they were happy. And it was just like, she's like, you might think I'm manipulative and I use my body to get what I wanted, but she's like, that's all I knew when I was little or when I was little, when I was younger is I had a nice body and men like that. And that's what I used to get what I wanted. And so, um, yeah, it was jarring and sad because I mean, it's the truth of a lot of things. I mean, you know, it's just, it was, it was kind of, it was just like, Oh, you know, and it's like you said, she has that kind of 2021 mindset of just like, I'm going to get where I want to go and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I'm going to, you know, fight for it. And, um, again, like I said, these, these things didn't happen that long ago. I mean, this was what, 70 years ago, you know? So this mindset and time frame was not that long ago. And it's very, very interesting, um, to read, to read that. But, um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. She, she definitely was like, I'm going to use my body to get what I want. So here we go. And, um, I mean, she did, I mean, she ended up getting what she wanted and she ended up marrying Don was the second husband. Yeah. What did you think about that? How that came to be was, felt like very iconic. It's like Mm co-stars and, you know, he sweeps you off your feet and that kind of thing. And I felt like really for her that she, at a young age at 18, 19 had like found what she thought was the love of her life. And Uh that wasn't that uncommon back then either for you to get married at 18 or 19, especially in the fifties. Um, and like, I felt like when I was reading that, I really wanted it for her, but I didn't believe it. Is that kind of how you felt? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can tell, I mean, she's like, I just wanted to be loved. And I felt like he loved me and we were, you know, the, the power couple and the, you know, the, the it couple in Hollywood. And she's like, and then it took six weeks, you know, for him to hit me. And it's just so sad because it's like, again, at that time, that wasn't uncommon. And it's like, it's, it's unfortunately now it's not uncommon either, but it's like, it's scary and it's, it is sad because it's like her talking with her co-stars and these other women and she's just, and they just like pretend like, like nothing's happening because he's powerful. He's a powerful man. I mean, he's a powerful man in Hollywood. He's one of the top actors. He's getting paid an obscene amount of money, at least especially for the time. And he can do whatever he wants and he could ruin her career, which he does. And so it's, it's a scary thing. I mean, the most like heartbreaking part for me with his whole situation and all the things that happened with him was when he divorces her and he marries Ruby and they catch up years later. And she's like, you could have told me, like, I think that part was the most heartbreaking. Part was heartbreaking to me, but it's like, Ruby was around through this whole thing. And you can't tell me that she didn't see the bruises that she didn't, I'm not victim blaming by any means, but it's also like, I, I get like you could have told me and everything like that, but I think she was so caught up in the whole glitz and glam of it and that who Don was and what he was and what he represented as far as like this big shot man or whatever. And it's like, and it was so heartbreaking, you know, and I felt bad for Evelyn too. Cause she's like, I, how many women did he do this to? Uh, how many times did this happen? You know? And it was so, I don't know. It was just terrible, but it's also like, I, I felt like, There were moments even, I mean, when you read through it too, Ruby's like, Ruby sees the bruises. She talks about it. So it's like, I don't don't know, for her to blame that on Evelyn, I thought, I thought that was very unfair for her to blame that on Evelyn because 
I'm not blaming it on her. It's Don's fault. 1000%. But for her to sit there and be like, you could have told me that he, how he was and everything like that. And it's like, I'm sorry. I, it, unless you've been in a situation like that, like it's, it's very, it's very hard to come forward and talk about and like be upfront with people about that, especially at that time. Like he, he completely ruined her career. You know what I mean? And ruined She had to like scratch her way back up from the bottom and, and for Ruby to turn around and blame her for that, I felt was very unfair, very yeah. unfair of her. Yes. It's terrible. And it's not, it's not Evelyn's fault. It's not Ruby's fault. It's Don's fault. Cause he's a piece of shit, but like, uh, sorry. I just felt like, that. <laughs> no, you're fine. I wasn't saying that. I guess I said that wrong. I was just saying like, I thought that that of the whole situation with him was like, just such, so like realistic, it was like, wasn't just Evelyn that he was like pissed at because she was more successful than him. It was like, he was just an awful person. And I think, I mean, you see that throughout the way he treats everybody and you know, he's, he's only nice when he's on his, the top of his game and he, he works to wreck Evelyn's career and, and says, you know, you're being more successful than me. So like, I think it's time we have kids and I don't think you can hang out with your friends and that kind of thing. And like that part was really manipulative, but like, I think for me, when we hit that ending and she met up with Ruby years later, it was like, wow, he's still doing exactly what he said he wasn't going to do. And like, you know, it wasn't just Evelyn being more successful than him. It was just that he was so awful. And I think that that like hit really hard when I read that line and she was like, you oh, yeah. told me. And I was like, that's so sad that like her friend, like, I mean, they weren't really friends. Her like acquaintance went through all of that too. And yeah, just like how wild a ride that was. Oh, it just, it's heartbreaking. And it's just like, oof, yeah, it's just, yeah. And I mean, at the same time, I mean, and you think about it too, it's like, if Evelyn had said something, do you think Ruby would have listened to her? You know, I mean, he's going around town saying that she's manipulative and trashing him and a terrible person and her career's ending and da 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 what side do you think Ruby was going to take I mean she wasn't going to she wasn't close with Evelyn like why would she believe the ex-wife if she's like he he abused me and is a terrible human being you know and it's like again not blaming the victim not Don is the piece of shit here he's the one that is to blame but it's like again, being in that kind of situation and understanding that. And it's just, I, I just seeing that and it's like knowing that no matter what she would have said to Ruby, she probably wouldn't have taken her from her word. Unfortunately, that's the sad part is he had wrecked her reputation to a point where no one would have believed what she'd said. You know what I mean? It would have just been like a vindictive ex-wife situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I just thought it was crazy that that's how they like went about it. Yeah. When they bring him back definitely. up and stuff like that. Yeah. He, he wasn't a very nice guy. When did you kind of get, I mean, I guess she kind of had mentioned at the beginning that this girl was the love of her life, but when they started becoming friends, I feel like she wrote this really well of their like relationship and how that all developed. Um, I guess I just didn't, if this is like my own ignorance, but I guess I just kind of forgot that they used to put like women in insane asylums <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. Just like casually back in the 50s and I just thought that part was so wild when she discovers that for being quote-unquote hysterical yeah in the same asylum yeah that like her husband could have done that to her when they have that like chat in the closet when she's talking to Ruby and uh at the party and all that kind of stuff like I thought that was so crazy I was like wow I just forgot that was also how shitty of Ruby being like your husband's getting a BJ from a woman upstairs by the way and I'm like your BFF's a lesbian 
what a bitch. <laughs> like, she's a, jeez. I mean, talk about some catty bitches, man. Like, ooh, I guess right there just solidifies they were definitely never friends. But yeah, absolutely. And it's like, what a, what a weird situation. But I guess I just, I, I kind of saw where it was going when she came over yeah. and they were like hanging out. I think that was a really good progression into the, her relationship with, I yeah. literally forgot her name. Celia. Um, Celia. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. I just, St. Clair is all I remember. Um, <laughs> that her relationship with Celia and like when they first start hanging out and all those sorts of things. And I, in my head, like Celia was so much younger, but I guess she really wasn't. She was only like a couple years younger. Um, but so I thought in the beginning when they went to the soda shop and she's like, I want to be seen with you. I want to like make my way in Hollywood, but like, I'm not as ruthless as you are or whatever. I was like, okay, so this is going to be like a sister type of situation. And they're just going to be like best friends because I, in my head, she was like 10 years younger, but she wasn't, she was only like three or four. Um, but I thought she did a really good job of like developing their relationship throughout. And it was very like believable. And, um, I, I liked the way that they became friends. And then, you know, Celia was like, I don't know, such an existential part of her development and who she was as like an actress and, you know, being there to encourage her and all those sorts of things. Um, what did you think about how their relationship kind of came to be while she was still with Dawn and all that stuff and how she ends up leaving him for her next husband for like a day? <laughs> I thought it was very interesting because she, I thought, I thought she came to this realization like really quick, like everything happened very quickly. I mean, she like, walks in on Don and is like, all right, I'm out. And it was just like, she knew he was up there and she wasn't going up there because she was like trying to torture herself or like, I don't know, be like, make sure he's up there. And she was so heartbroken. I think she went up there to be like, this is how I'm going to play well, this had, like, story. Kissed Celia before she went up there. Yeah. And that's the thing is she knew, she knew she was falling in love with her and that she cared about her. And I think this is how she goes. Okay. This is how I want to play this story. This is how this is going to go. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to find him and then storm out, make a big scene, and then we're going to get divorced. And so I found that interesting. So, uh, yeah, it was very, it was also very quick. And then I felt terrible for her because here's Dawn. He's like, she's, she's gone. I want you out. I'm, you, you know, you're no longer contracted here. Um, sucks to suck, but uh, you're out basically. And I was like, like that ruins her life so quickly. Yeah, I'm like that. Then, um, and so I was just like, damn, that's that's brutal, man. But yeah, so how did you feel about the whole? Um, you know, she she obviously kind of bounces back and does this French film where she talks about, you know. Monique mentions this in the beginning about this like um, scene that she's known for walking out of the water and she um, and she is basically naked and apparently she has like really big boobs and everyone loves loves that and so they want to see her boobs but can't see it and it's a whole thing and that's like this like moment in her career I guess <laughs> even know how to describe it and then she's kind of like on the way up again to being you know a star and so this all happens and then it kind of gets mixed up and weird with everything that's going on with her and Celia and 
she like holds her hand at something at like a at like this event at this like concert for Mick Riva and people see and then people start talking and there's this article that maybe they're too close maybe they're more than friends and Evelyn panics how did you feel about her reaction to this whole thing yeah I thought it was wild that of course like she makes her way up back to the top of stardom hanging out with French which you know I I liked that that she like went to Europe and was like really crafty about it and was like I'm gonna make my way in a different way like I don't need Hollywood I just need to be famous so I really liked that and I think it just shows like how manipulative she is as a person and like how she's willing to do everything for herself and then there's another example of her being manipulative you know this guy had said he loved Evelyn and like wanted to marry her or whatever and she's like okay well let's go to this concert which this was kind of a silly setup I think in general because it's not like I don't know it just I think that part wasn't explained like super well so she goes with Henry and uh Celia and they go to this concert and then she's like we have to go backstage afterwards but that wasn't brought up until after she like held hands with her or whatever I don't know I just thought that was kind of strange but yeah I I thought this was just iconic of how manipulative she was and how she knew exactly what she was going to do and what she wanted to get and all that kind of stuff and I think she did a really good job here setting herself up for success with marrying this guy in Vegas for a day. And she essentially tries to get his attention, gets his attention, um, tells Celia, like, we can be together, but I have to pretend to not be by for a minute and go marry this guy. And they go to Vegas and she gets him to marry her. And it, I, I was a little annoyed with Celia at this point because given the times and where they were at and the conversation they had, she gets pissed off at her and breaks up with her at that point because she can't get over the fact that she slept with a guy. And it's like, what, what were you thinking was going to happen? You know what I mean? Like she's going to marry this guy and her ploy was that like, she was going to get him to marry her for her innocence and essentially to sleep with her. And then Celia was like, I can't believe you did that. And it's like, you guys literally had that conversation, like word for word. You guys had this like three chapters ago. Celia's refusal to acknowledge the fact that, and again, this is something that Evelyn talks about too, is like back then, like bi wasn't a thing. It was either you were gay or straight. You know, there was no, like, you were either gay or lesbian or straight, you know, and there was, and even then, like, to say that you were a lesbian, again, you'd get thrown into it, gay or lesbian, you would either get, like, beat up, shunned, thrown into an insane asylum, like, terrible, horrible things, and so the the thought of being bi wasn't even a thing, like, people weren't even talking about it, you know, and so the fact that, that Celia wouldn't even acknowledge the fact that Evelyn did like men, you know what I mean? She did like men and she liked, she loved Celia, you know? And so she's bi. And, and I love the line where Monique is like, so are you trying to tell me that you are, or tell everyone that you are, are you trying to come out as a lesbian? And she's like, no, I'm not a lesbian. Like I, this, she's like, this is what I mean by you need to, I need you to understand what I'm saying. And she's like, okay, let me rephrase that. Are you coming out as bisexual? And she's like, yes, I am bisexual. And so this narrative of, you know, for the longest time, like, you know, this narrative of like Celia, and this was throughout the entire book. And this, this is what made me so mad about Celia. She's like, I love you. And I love you so much. And I love all of you and blah, 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 blah. But you can't accept, like, you can't love someone without accepting every part of them. You just can't, it, it, you can't pick and choose we're gonna we're gonna quote Dorian here you can't pick and choose the things you love about people you know what I mean and so for her to be like 
so angry about the fact that Evelyn likes men. She likes to sleep with men. She's been married to a, like three now at this point. So like it just her her inability to accept that really was really really pissed me off about Celia the entire book yeah and it's like even when we get to the end she's still like upset about it and it's like I don't understand I I kind of get it because that was her character but I agree like that part was really annoying for me and Monique even brings it up and she's like aren't you you don't like resent her for having those feelings she's like I was a bad person you know in my own right so I I can't blame her and it's like that's not how this works like Mm -mm. one person doesn't have to be like full of faults and the other one be perfect but both of you can be full of faults and you can fault each other yeah. for those things. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's not well, how Celia, this works. And like you said, she doesn't even come to terms with it until literally the very, very end. And it's like so heartbreaking because it's like, if she had been able to accept that, I feel like they would have had a better chance. Like, I think they would have stayed together for yeah. the whole time. Like we wouldn't mm-hmm. have had seven husbands. It would have just been like two. Yeah, or definitely. Three. Definitely. Or four or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it was... He was heartbreaking, this whole thing. And so she marries the singer, gets this marriage annulled. It's all over the papers. Basically, she's trying to bring the spotlight away from Celia, away from their relationship and putting it on her. And um, then Celia gets pissed off that she slept because she, basically she, Evelyn finds out she's pregnant. And um, she tells Celia and Celia freaks out. She's like, you slept with him? And she's like, yeah that's yep we had this con- like you said we had this conversation um how did you feel about this whole situation that happened I thought this was wild like uh, it was just so dramatic and she's like my life is over and just like leaves her and it's like if I can't have all of you I don't want any of you and it's like again this is the times we're in like what did you expect her to do and I just thought it was so dramatic I didn't love Celia's character I felt like she was a yeah, little bit I snake in the grass for me she's like I'm not as manipulative as you are like I'm not and she's like I'm not manipulative I'm just willing to do it and out in public that doesn't make me manipulative that makes me smart and clever whereas I felt like Celia was really manipulative person like Evelyn tells Monique she says like I'm not a good person and it's like no you're not a good person but like neither was Celia and neither was Celia her in this light that she's like the greatest you know like she she had like no faults and all those sorts of things. So I thought this was she really definitely had dramatic. rose-colored glasses when it came to Celia. Yeah, absolutely. You could definitely tell throughout the story. And it's like reading Celia, Celia just again, her inability to accept all of Evelyn and her inability to accept that Evelyn was gonna do anything possible to protect Celia. And she yeah. did. I mean, she she did. She married a man and had a scandal to protect her and it's like I'm not saying it was the right thing to do but I'm just saying for the times like I really like many options I really liked the newspaper articles because I thought that Uh that was a concise way of like not having to kind of drag out these short like snippets of things that would have been maybe a whole chapter but she read it in just one paragraph or what have you so I really did like the news articles I thought that was a clever way to kind of bring in these high points that were super Mm -hmm. relevant to the story but was more of like a conclusion like yeah what what did you know Monique or not Monique sorry what did Evelyn do and you know then the paper was like here's the result and instead of having to read like her internal dialogue I thought that was really nice so or like her go through the whole process it was just like a quick it was just like here's what actually happened in the end or or like what the media saw and that kind of thing yeah I Um, love that yeah I really liked that too what were your kind of thoughts on her like breakup and how she ends up with her next husband um I thought it was sad and I was angry with Celia and I was just like 
you know, she goes, what, like five years or whatever. She doesn't see Celia for five years after that. And, um, you know, she ends up, like she got pregnant. She ends up having an abortion. She goes to Mexico, has an abortion. Um, and I thought it was so just like, again, telling of the times, you know, she comes back literally the next day and starts filming a film. And it's just like, oh, I think it was like Anna Karenina or something like that. And so she's filming this film or whatever. It's behind schedule. Things aren't going very well. And, um, you know, there's not a lot of hype around it. So I she, loved this marriage. I, this was like my, one of my favorite marriages. Yeah. Her, this one, Rex and Harry were my favorite marriage. Oh, okay. Rex, Harry, and Robert were my favorite marriages. Yeah. Um, but like, her her and Rex come to this deal and they're like okay well we're gonna get married because we're gonna create this whole love story we were again this is co-stars falling in love situation you know we're gonna create this whole facade um and basically we're gonna get married we're not gonna sleep together we're gonna live in separate bedrooms and you can do your own thing and bang whoever you want discreetly and I can do my own thing and bang whoever I want discreetly and hype up this movie and give it a couple years and then we'll divorce and I was like this is very like and I love how Rex was like okay cool like it's just like and she's like he was he was me in male form basically like and but I so love they that they had like a really good attraction other. and there was a couple of points there where they yeah. were like you know he he's like trying to convince her to sleep with him and all these things he's like we could make this a real marriage and stuff and she's like you're just drunk like go home and it's like I just thought that was so funny and then the next morning he's like you're right I was just drunk oopsies yep. but like I still do find you pretty <laughs> and like I think you're so fun and clever and like yeah I agree you're me and, and like female form so I, I like that he could have really appreciate who she was mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing but then also like at, at points at times was like let's just make this let's just like be genuine and she's yeah. like there's no such thing as genuine in Hollywood and that's kind of how I felt like this marriage was yeah her just reminding herself that like there's no such thing as real in mm-hmm. the field that we're in and I thought that yep. was so funny and I love yeah. the way that they got out of this you know he falls in love with someone else gets her pregnant and she's like okay well let me like go back to scheming he's and- like this is shocking but I fell in love and yeah. she's like okay well we have time like you guys he's like she's pregnant and she's like okay let me think yeah like, <laughs> give me a minute <laughs> let me put this down come up with an idea. the whiteboard yeah that's how I felt and I just thought it was so funny and you know that she, she comes up with such a good idea like put herself in a bad light but enough that it's no press there's no such thing as bad press is yeah. sort of I think her mentality throughout that mm-hmm. and you know it's like she falls in love with, with Harry which we found out at the beginning he is gay oh. and has been gay this whole time and I love Harry so smart what so a smart much. guy I love him so much I mean I'm sorry go ahead him, but um yeah so she so they come up with this idea that says like they've been friends for a long time and they fell madly in love and I love the paparazzi part of it where she was like mm-hmm. let me just like call my contacts give me a minute you know and yeah. it's like we have to be really discreet and this stuff happens all the time we know what happens oh, yeah. and it, it was just so funny to kind of watch the wheels turn it and have that go and and the plan execute so perfectly everyone assumes that she's with him and then I love Rex, how they're like yeah. in the car and she's like messing up his hair and like unbuttoning like his shirt yeah. and like random things and it's just like so like a car comes by and they're like okay hold on let's make out let's make out really quick like and it was just like the fun that whole car scene was the funniest freaking thing to me and it was just like he was like the end, nervous. They had this really generous like genuine conversation oh, I loved it I loved it I love their their relationship so much and again this is another part where Celia pisses me off so much like this whole situation pissed me off but I loved it but I also was very angry with Celia in this situation but um she 
basically um, marries Harry, you know, and Harry, you know, she finds out Celia is engaged to a football player, right? And um, she basically, you know, Harry's like, I met someone. And she's like, who? She's like, Celia's fiance. (laughs) And so it's like, you know, it's so, it's so crazy how this all worked out. It was this like weird, it was really funny. I liked how, you know, they all end up like coming back together and they're this like big family basically. And everyone, there's all these rumors that they're like swingers and everything. And, and, and Evelyn, you know, said, she's like, how crazy that people would accept the fact that we were swingers, but they wouldn't accept the reality of us being monogamous with each other but not the people that we were expected to be with and I was like oh that just like to the I was like the reality of that though like they were fine if they were sharing spouses but the fact that they were in love with someone who was of the same sex is a no-no and it was just like and it's like the 70s at this point in the book and you're like wow things have not changed at all or like the 60s Mm -hmm. I guess getting into the early seventies. And I, I really loved their relationship and, you know, they moved to New York and they have these apartments right next to each other. And for me, the part that I thought was like the most wholesome of this whole situation was when they're standing on the roof barbecuing and they're talking about the civil rights movement. And they're like, we can't be down there talking about like oh, our Stonewall. rights. Yeah. Yeah. Stonewall. They like, can't be talking about our rights, but because it will take away from everyone else, but we can give money and we're always going to give money. And it's like, yep. she had said that through the rest of the time, you know, that they donated to charities and things that like matter to them and, and like the LGBTQ community. And I thought that was like, that one gave me chills. I think reading that yeah. because they're like, I agree. Do you agree? You agree. And like, you know, and I thought that was just so powerfully written in the way that Celia is such a hothead. And I think it was Harry too, that said that, that was like, we need to be down there. And so it's like it, her and John were such polar opposites where they were so engrossed in their career and like making the smart decisions and doing the things that made sense. Um, and the other two, you know, were parallels of each other too. So I, I really liked that scene because I felt like yeah. it really showed like who each of them were and it was just like such a wholesome bring together I, of the yeah, four of them. I, I agree. I love the, you know, and it's, and this happens so many times you see this all the time, but it's like powerful things that happen. And it's like, how many times has that been, that message been misconstrued or forgotten in the light of a celebrity stepping in and saying something or being a part of it. And that's great. They have power. They have that privilege. They have that fan bases people that support them but at the same time um I loved how they were like if we get involved the story's gonna be about us and not about the rights of these people and I loved it I love 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 that and so um that was such a powerful moment and so you know they're living their little happily ever after basically together and then Evelyn and Harry decide they want to have a baby and I love this, how Harry was like, I would love to have a child and I would want it to be mine. And Evelyn's like, same. And so, um, and I, you know, she, she learned and having this conversation, like explicit conversation with Celia, I am going to have sex with my husband and we are going to make a baby. So are you okay with this before I go through with this whole thing? And so she, you know, they do, she ends up getting pregnant they are there she's you know has baby and then Celia gets weird and like all like possessive over you know I loved I love this description of how you know Celia and John were gone Celia was filming a movie and all these things and John was with her and 
I feel like Celia was really pouty about not having all of all of Evelyn's attention, which pissed me off a lot, like one thousand percent. And then she, <laughs> you know, her and Harry get in this routine of just like a quiet, sweet life. Obviously, you know, they're not, you know, as as far as husband and wife as much as they could be. You know what I mean? And so they they fall into this very beautiful life and then Celia comes in and gets all freaking possessive and you know has to I just I that really made me angry about Celia it's like well and I think for me like I genuinely was annoyed when she leaves her for so she goes and decides that to made like, me so mad yeah because she- I feel like it was just like she had had this conversation there was great communication and you know she's like I love Harry but not in that way obviously you know John is fine with this we're we have like this big happy family the four of us together and we have this kid that's all of ours essentially and that's kind of how I felt like they were trying to raise her and then she's like you know I have to get back into this role and you told me to take this role and this is such a frustrating thing because I feel like the situation happens a lot where it's like well, I told you to do it, but like, I didn't mean that way. And it's like, how was I supposed to know that? Like what was going to happen about it? So essentially she says, Celia says like, I was going to take this role, but I think it would be perfect for you. It's the same director that directed you years ago that like kind of put you back on the map. Um, I know you guys get along really well. I don't like him. So I don't want to work with him. And um, Evelyn come, come to find out it's her ex-husband, Don, Dan, mm-hmm. Don, 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 that's going to um, be her co-star. And it's pretty pretty heavy movie and so she agrees to meet with him and forgives him and everything and I feel like Celia still was a little bit like bitter that she forgave him I like this conversation I did too I love this conversation I love how she's like I forgive you but I cannot forget what you did to me like I I can't forget what you did to me what you did to Ruby and he's like no I, I I understand that and he's like maybe not friends but like acquaintances like and I I loved how their relationship progressed to a very healthy it was very mature and yeah it was a lot of like I I think a lot of him realizing the faults that he had and it was Mm -hmm. it was good to read him being sorry for what he did him realizing it and not just being sorry him realizing that he made mistakes and like apologizing for it and genuinely being like what do I need to do going forward not to make this right because there's no such thing as making it right but to be a better person and like not be a part of your life because we're never going to be friends but so that I can at least be near you and around you and it's not so like painful so I really did like that and I think that was written very well and it was very classy and like I think the situation was handled really well and then you know Evelyn gets this wild idea to do sort of a very sexy scene and that has an explicit sex scene basically she talks about I, I, this is the seventies still correct. And so she's talking about there, they have a sex scene that's coming up and she's wants to make it explicit in the fact that this woman that she's playing actually wants to like enjoy, actually enjoys sex. Like this just like blows my mind to me, like for me, but like, again, you got to think of the times, but it's like a, a scene where a woman is actually enjoying sex and enjoying, you know, sleeping with a man basically and not just to please him but to please herself and so that was very just like groundbreaking for that time I guess and so you know she she's like let's do it so she films this scene and it's basically an explicit sex scene and she doesn't talk to Celia about it which I'm like you've 
this has happened before. Why? Why? And so she goes home after she films the scene and she talks, then she talks to Celia about it. And she's like, by the way, I did this scene. It's really explicit. And um, yeah. And Celia's like, yeah, I can't eat. No, you can't do that. You're not like, this is what we were talking about. This is the role I got you. But like, you, you have to do it the way I want you to do it. Not the way that would be best for you, your career in the movie. And so it was just like a whole thing. And so she gets, you know, she's like, I don't want you to do it. This is your ex-husband. This is weird. You know how I am about you and sleeping with men. Here it is again, you and being attracted to men and um, not accepting the fact, not accepting all of her, not accepting the fact that she's bi. And she um, says, no, I don't want you to do it. And then Evelyn goes, well, too bad because I already did. And again, she hits the fan and Celia throws a fit and leaves again and ends up divorcing John. And like, it's a whole freaking thing. How did uh, this, this uh, just Celia makes me so angry. Like I just, Evelyn is not a good person. I'm not sitting here defending Evelyn. Evelyn is not a good person in any way, shape or form. But the fact that she spins Celia in such a, such a, beautiful light and how she's just everything and just such again she's got these rose-colored glasses for celia but it's just like it makes me so angry like celia made me so angry yeah i thought it was i don't know i just was so annoyed because i was like she's such a selfish person and like i get that they have you know all this like turmoil and things and you know she was offended and she has feelings and she's like she has the right to those things but i thought it was just a little bit selfish that she just leaves and then divorces john and basically screws Henry out of like his own happiness and it's like you guys kind of made a pact when you got married that this is the way that this was going to go and even though you and Evelyn are broken up doesn't mean that you guys can't like continue this for Harry and John I don't know it just was weird I was like you're so selfish and then I was just annoyed that like you know obviously they get back together at the end but I was just irritated by that I think that for me was like the tipping point where I was like I would never have like taken you back and then Mm -hmm. she ends up marrying well John dies yeah so then she ends up like her and Harry stay together and you know, they're raising their kid and she's getting older. And, and I think that moment that like, I think it, I think it annoyed me more than made me sad where they're watching the award show and Celia wins and her daughter's like, don't I know her? And then she's like, oh yeah, she's from that movie you were in little women. She's like, she didn't know her, know her, even though she was such a part of her like upbringing when she was a baby. And I was like, I get that that was, she's not gonna know her. just annoyed. Yeah. But she's like, not, how would yeah. she know? It's like, it's like when your parents are like, oh, you know, this person. And I'm like, I've never I have no idea who this person is. They're like, oh, you saw them when you were, you were, they were there when you were like three. And I'm like, I don't have memories beyond like under five. Like how would I, how would I like remember this person? Yeah. I am like, you know what I mean? So um, yeah, it's, that's how I felt in that, in that moment. And I was like, I get that I was supposed to be sad, but it was like so dramatic. And I was like, okay, shut up. I, I I don't know. But yeah, then, so she's with Harry, uh, like, they're living their happy little life and John dies and John dies at 50 and so sad. Yeah. Harry just turns into a a shell of a person and starts drinking. And this part was really uncomfortable. I was like, um, what's going on here? And then she's like, he only wants to be a good person when he's around his daughter and he only drinks a little bit. And I was like, okay. Yeah. This was, I don't know. I was just like, it was so weird. And she's like, the only way to get him out of this was to like make him work. And I was like, is that the only way to get out of it? Yeah. So basically they decided to do a film with Max again and she thinks she falls in love with Max. Well, she does fall in love with Max basically. And she talks to Harry about it. 
and is like, you know, I love him. I want to marry him. Like he knows about you basically. Max is like, he's gay. So like this shouldn't be a problem. And Harry's like, yeah, I mean, go for it. Basically. Harry's like, I, you know, had the love of my life. And if you think this is the love of your life, then go for it. He's like, what, who am I to stop you? You know, he's like, I will always love you. You're my best friend. And it just, their relationship was just like throughout this whole book was just so wholesome and just like, ugh, just wrecked me. And so, you know, they end up getting a divorce after what, 15 years, years of marriage or something like that. And she marries Max, who's the producer, director, et cetera, or whatever. And she ends up marrying Max. And this whole relationship felt so gross to me. Just so, like, he just, ugh, he just felt so I feel so like gross for her being this, like, crafty girl who did all these things to help her career, I feel like she should have seen this red flag from a mile off. Like, she should have seen him being like, I only want you for your glitz and glamour. Like, the idea of you from a mile off. So I thought that part was a little ungenuine, I guess, their whole relationship. And, like, it genuinely was. But I thought it was ungenuine to her character and how she was written at this point that she would have just, like, yeah. fallen for this guy and been like, I think I can love again. And it's like, did you really? Did you really? Because you supposedly have only been in love with, like, two people your whole life and this is your fifth husband. Yeah. So sixth husband, sixth husband, sorry. Um, and it was just, I don't know that that was kind of wild to me. So it was like, I don't know. I, I felt bad for her, but then at the yeah. other, the other point I was like, this doesn't even make sense. Like, this mm-hmm. is not something I feel like you would have done with who you were and like what was going yeah. on for the rest of he, the book. He just felt so icky to me. Like it, even from like the very beginning, like when she did her first movie with him, he just felt so gross to me. And I was just like, really, this is who you married? Like, he just was so gross. The French. <laughs> Tatiana and her, like, undying hatred. <laughs> just saying, the French in the 70s were slimy. So, but yeah, so she ends up marrying Max. And then she starts writing, you know, she, well, yeah, she ends up, you know, marrying Max, and then she starts writing Celia. She sees her, she wins, Celia wins another award or whatever, or no, Evelyn wins an award. I'm sorry, Evelyn wins an award, and she, you know, wins her Oscar, and she goes on the stage, and she's giving her acceptance speech, and she's like, there's someone else out there who I would like to thank, and she knows who she is, and I really wish you were here, basically, and she you know, she's talking to Celia basically. And then, um, they like call uh, and reconnect. Right. And chat. Yeah. Well, then Celia, well, Celia wins an award and then she's like, you know, giving her acceptance speech. And she's like, she's like, there's also someone out there who I hope you don't chip your tooth on the screen when, you know, by kissing the screen because I've won this award or something like that, you know, because that happened in the past. She won her, when Celia won her, first Oscar I think it was or second Oscar or whatever some some award um Evelyn like kissed the tv and like chipped a tooth basically because she was so excited for her and so she's you know referencing that and then she they kind of reconnect you know they call each other and write each other and it's a whole thing you know basically she says they're writing each other and She's like, I've always loved you. I want to, you know, reconnect, da, 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 so on and so forth. And she, they set up a time to meet and Evelyn is leaving. And then she decides she wants to, she decides to go back and get the letters, basically. Ah, This whole scene, how did you feel about this whole scene? This this is just like total chaos. What a dick. 
finds out that she's bisexual, finds all the letters, freaks out at her about it. And is like, can't believe you didn't tell me. She's like, this doesn't change anything. You don't love me. I've never like felt that you loved me. I loved you, but you know, it was never enough for you. So like, this shouldn't be a big deal. We were planning on getting a divorce anyway. I I was leaving you, you were leaving me, you know, you were leaving me. So I just thought that scene was like, so chaotic. This guy just seems elaborate. Like, well, just he's just like, so she knows, like, she knows he's been banging other women too. Like he basically yeah. fesses up to it. He's straight up, you know, all these terrible things. And it's just like, he's so horrible. And he's like, I can't believe I married bubble. And he just like, says these terrible things. And she's like, you didn't even love me. She's like, you love the idea of me, but you don't love me. So why are you so angry about this? Like, and he's like, well, I'm going to ruin your career. She's like, good, good luck. luck. Like, go ahead, go freaking try. She's like, you're just going to look like the pathetic pissed off husband. Go right. ahead, go try. Cause she's and more that's famous ex- than him. It's exactly what happens. And I was just like, yeah. Like, and like, she's I older mean- at this point. She's like in her forties and she knows what she wants in her life. And I, and I liked that. And you know, she goes to meet Celia and of course it's like a tragic story. And they're like, I, we should have had all of our time together. I made a lot mm-hmm. of like poor choices and blah, blah, blah. And I'm dying. And I was like, I was just like were you shocked by that? No. Okay. I was like, of course. Of course. Of course she is. Of course. Because I mean, in the beginning, Evelyn's like, yeah, everyone I love is dead. And I'm like, okay, so Celia's dead. Well, she was old. So I like kind of assumed, but I was like, I guess I didn't expect everyone to die in such tragic ways. I just assumed that they yeah. were all dead because she was old. Well, but- it was like one right after another too. It was like, yeah, this was like brutal, like so brutal. So anyway, so she's like, Celia's like, I loved you. I, I love you. I've always loved you. Blah, 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 blah. I want to move to Spain. You should move to Spain with me. What a bring. vibe. Yeah, like, I'm out. But she's like, you know, bring your daughter, um, bring Connor, bring Harry, and we'll move to Spain and live out our, the rest of our lives on the coast and eat pasta and drink wine and love each other, basically. And I was like, what a vibe. Yeah. And so she, you know, ends up divorcing Max or whatever. And then she talks to Harry and Harry says no, essentially. And I was like, oh, okay. And so, yeah, I was like, I was shocked at that. I was like, oh, okay. I wasn't, I, that was the one part where I was like, okay, I kind of saw this coming. I was like, how is this going to work? Because Harry's never going to give, he's never going to give it up. He has such Mm -hmm. a pretense. And like, I think for him, it wasn't about the fame. It was about the power. And he was still successful. And that's one of those jobs that he could have done forever until he was like in his late eighties or whatever. Um, And they're younger at this point, they're only like 45 or 50. And so I think for him, it was just the power of it. And the fact that he had been successful this whole time um, for, for me that I was like, I wasn't very surprised by it. And I was like, yeah. he's going to have a hard time like moving to Spain. Well, not but I was surprised too, by the fact like, that he was like, I was in love with someone. I thought it was just for that reason, for like career reasons. Yeah. He gives both reasons. You know, he says, I'm still at the top of my game. Why would I leave? I'm not going to retire. I'm not that old. Like why? And then he says, also I'm in love and I want to stay here with him. And I was like, oh, and then she's like, well, what are we going to do with Connor? And so, you know, cause she finally has her, he's like, He's like, I want you to have your chance at happiness and be with Celia and that's great and all, but like, I also have to live my life and like, I can't just live, continue to live my life on your whims. And I love that. And I was just like, get her here. And then, um, and then again, you know, all chaos ensues. So he says, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to talk to him. We're going to have this conversation. We're going to figure it out and I'll come back and we'll talk. And, you know, basically he's like, I love you. I've always loved you. You're my best friend. I'll see you in a little bit. Come pick me up in like a couple hours and she's driving 
to go get him and there's a car accident in front of them that just happened that basically the car is wrapped around a pole and she comes up and it's Harry at the wheel and another man in this passenger seat and she's assuming that's the man that he like fell in love with or whatever and Harry smells like booze like <laughs> he's been drinking and driving and crashed and so she gets the driver to help her pull him out of the car and move the other guy into the driver's seat and they take him to the hospital and I was like oh okay like this is intense how did you this whole I this whole scene was just a lot for me it was intense yeah that was crazy how she like wrote the driver and all of that I wasn't expecting him to die for being honest uh Harry to bring the hospital and they're like his femoral artery has been cut he's gonna die soon blah 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 which doesn't make any sense to me because he would have just died I was like medically this doesn't make any sense but okay um but I liked the way that she wrote the driver and how she is like I know that I'm in a state of shock because I would have been more impressed with him for what he asked to help me with all of this and like you know she's so quick and this just goes to show how I think jaded she is with all the years she's been in Hollywood that she was able to be like okay take him out of the driver's seat and put him in the car we're leaving go to the hospital but first let me like wipe down the steering wheel and like move things and stuff and so it's like there's so many like skeletons in the closet in the old Hollywood I think and just I mean probably Hollywood now too but in that sort of era and it was just wild that she it was it's such an emotional scene but it's like it's crazy I think Evelyn is a really good morally gray morally black protagonist who um is that quick on her feet and I think we like to read that kind of thing and and and, and see that actual accounts of things that probably did really happen yeah, you know, I agree. cover-ups and stuff like that. And so I thought it was really, it was intense. It was really good. Um, I didn't expect him to die. And I was just kind of like, I felt like I had to read that scene a couple of times. So I was like, I'm sorry, what? They're just going to like kill him off just like that. It was so sad. And yeah. she's just like, if you need to let go, she's like, I understand you're tired and you miss John and you're depressed and life has been terrible. And if you need to let go, you can let go. And I was just like, <gasps> like, I was just like, it was so sad to me. I was just like falling. I cried for probably the next 50 pages if I'm being completely honest this is a big this was a, this was a seven on the Kirsten cry scale one right after another man it was brutal and so you know she Harry dies and she you know basically covered it up and in the she like pays off the doctors she an article comes out that he had an aneurysm and died and it's really sad it is terribly sad and so then she obviously Connor is having a hard time with it. She just lost her dad. And, you know, Evelyn says, okay, we're moving to Spain. So we need to get out of here. Cause she's like, Connor is basically like self-destructing. She's like partying and got caught basically having a threesome and with some classmates. And it's like a whole thing. And she's been in like, just, you know, she's rebelling and having a really hard time with losing her dad, which I mean, God. And so she, it's like, all right, we're leaving. We're moving to Spain. And so, and she tells her that she, she tells her about Celia. She's like, I love Celia. And you know, we're, this is why we're moving to Spain and everything like that. And she's like, I, okay. Like, you know, her, she was really scared about how her daughter was going to react. And, um, I thought it was very reminiscent of a very unconditional love situation. Like she's her mom. She's not going to like, <laughs> she's a younger kid. She's been raised up in probably a different generation as far as in the seventies and things like that, you know? And so she's not, she's going to be more accepting of that. Um, and so I really like that. And, you know, they moved to Spain with Celia and Celia says, you're going to marry my brother. <laughs> How did you feel about that? 
I was like, all of this time, she's so angry at her for marrying all these men. And then all of a sudden she's like, so you're going to marry my brother. How did you go about that? So it's so wild. Cause it's like, they're, they're scheming way up to the very end. And she's like, you won't get my estate and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, is that true? Like, that's so crazy. But it's like, her brother could have just gotten the estate and then given it to Evelyn. There was no reason for them to get married, but I guess it was like the pretense of all of it. So I don't know. I just felt like it was like, okay, here we go again. Like we're literally just scheming up until the very end. So I thought it was a good concept. I liked the idea of, of how she wrote it, where it was a new father figure for Connor. And, and that to me was like, I, I think really wholesome. And I appreciated that. And you know how she, he continued to be that kind of father figure for Connor and that new best friend for Evelyn and in a different light. And I think that was written really well. And it's, it's a good, good way to write a grieving process, not a replacement, but someone who's different and is there to help her. And I, I thought that was, it, it made Harry's death not feel so brushed over and quick. Cause it was, you know, it's only a couple pages and then they move on and talk about the rest of her life because there's so much other stuff that happened. So I really appreciated that. And I loved his character and I liked the idea yeah. of him being this guy that Robert. was there for all of them, Celia oh. and Evelyn and Connor. That his, he's, but you know, and so basically they moved to Spain and they all lived together and Celia, they had what, eight years or something like that, seven, eight years together. And then Celia dies in Evelyn's arms. And it's like this horrible, sad scene. And she's just like, oh, I'm just like, oh, and they like take her body away. And she's like screaming and crying on the floor and Robert's like holding her. And, um, and then crying and I am, I was crying, you know, and (laughs) Connor goes to college and graduates college and all these things and goes into finance and, um, then decides she hates finance and hates the corporate world, um, much to Robert's chagrin. And then she, but he's like, I could never, like, he's like, I'm always proud of her. You know, I would always be proud of her. She's, you know, such a light and she goes and I don't remember what she ends up doing, but, um, I don't need a journalism. She has something. And so she like ends up doing something else. And then, um, and then Robert dies and it's just like, Oh, so sad. And then, her daughter ends up getting breast cancer and her daughter ends up passing away. And it's just like, Oh my God. They're just like one right after another man. And it's just like, Oh, it was just so hard. Again, I cried all the way through this entire like situation. I just cried. It was so heartbreaking. And Oh, it was just, it was very heartbreaking. It was very, very heartbreaking. These whole, all of this loss that she had to experience and go through and, you know, I was just, ugh. Yeah. Anyways, how'd you feel about the whole thing? I was like, cry. I was like, oh, Robert died. Bummer. But he was older. He was like, again, he, he was just, like 89. <laughs> yeah, he just died of old age. And I was like, okay, well, moving on. Um, yeah, I think I got a little emotional at the part where she was talking about her daughter and like going through chemo and all that kind of stuff with her. But that's just like a personal thing for me. But it, it was, that one was a little bit rough to read and kind of experience that. And I think you felt it, but again, it was just like two paragraphs long and then she moves on. So it's like, yeah. all right. Um, I, I thought it was going to be a little bit more about her daughter and like her yeah. life and stuff. And I, I feel like she made a big emphasis on all these other husbands that like wrecked her. And it's like, there was so little about Connor in yeah. general. So I felt like at the end, you know, she's like, I'm donating all of these dresses, like breast cancer. And it's like, but there was so little talk of like why that was important to you and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I think that one kind of annoyed me that it wasn't like more about her relationship with Connor towards the end. It was just yeah. like, yeah, my love of Celia. And it's like, but what about your like child that you made, you know? Yeah. And I know that she was, you know, really heartbroken. And then she talks about how she hired um, her like 
I don't know her name. I forgot. The, Grace. Like, Grace. That's the one. Yeah. Grace? So she hires yeah. Grace and she's like, I gave my love to Grace. And I thought that was really nice. And you know, again, she's not a good person. She's not a great person. She's a very morally gray person. Um, well, she says that she's like, I want yeah. you to make it abundantly clear that I am not a good person. Cause I'm right. not. She's like, you're looking at me, you give me, you're giving me this look that I'm still a good person, but I'm not a good person and you're going to find out why. And I was so, just like, I guess I was kind of annoyed with this part too, because I feel like there was such a big buildup to it. Like Monique says a couple of times, she's like, and then I wanted to kill her. And then I could have like, and then I could have yeah. just been done. And with the I whole hated thing. her. Then I hated her, blah, blah, blah. And then she gets it and she's like, okay, processing, processing sounds good. And then it's just like leaves, you know what I mean? So it's like, I felt like the buildup was going to be a little bit bigger. Obviously this is a huge plot twist, but for the way it was built up, I thought there was going to be a bigger reaction. If that makes sense. Yeah. Did you see it coming? No, absolutely not. So Evelyn's like, you know, I'm a bad person. I just wanted to let you know that, you know, I've given all my money to grace. That's why I'm doing this is like giving money to breast cancer. I want everybody to know, you know, that these were important things to me. I will PPS the guy that died with Harry that night in the car. Here's a letter. And it was your father. And it's a letter to Monique, essentially oh. to Harry saying that he loved Monique and his wife and he didn't want to break up his happy family and that he did love Harry, but it wasn't like worth it for him to leave because he loved his wife in a different way and, you know, would have been just happy raising them together, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. she had kind of said that she always tried not to fault him for driving drunk and, and killing himself essentially, but it wasn't his fault. And then it, I was crying again. When yeah. I read this letter, I was just like, oh so, okay. So I talked to my sister. I, I hadn't gotten to this point yet, but I was like close. I talked to my sister and my sister goes, do you have any idea of what this plot twist is? Like what, what's coming? And I was like, no, I was like, I feel like it has something to do with the car accident maybe, but like, I don't know. And then as soon as I said that, I was like, oh shit, the other guy was her dad. Up until I had that conversation with my sister, I had no inclination of what it was going to be. And when I found that I was like, oh, that's so heartbreaking because she has to, and she says she has to reconcile everything she's felt about her father and the forgiveness she had to give him for driving drunk and getting himself killed. And at the end of the day, it wasn't him. It was Harry. And he was, he was gay and what that means and how she sees her, saw her dad. And it was just like, oh, like I can't even, Ooh. and that's the reason why she's doing this obviously because Monique's a good writer but at the end of the day she's like she's like is this some sort of like way of trying to make up from Harry killing my father like I you know and you covering up all of it like I don't understand like it was just like oh it was so hard I would have been yeah I was just expecting a bigger reaction genuinely I was like this is a big thing and like that's wild that that's you know that she was like, that's why I requested you. I've been looking for you, but I've been trying to like bring this to your attention in a way that doesn't make me seem crazy or that you wouldn't believe me. Like, and here we are and, and blah, blah, blah. And I like the way that she decided to not, not tell her mom. Cause her mom was, you know, supposed to be coming to visit this whole time. And she's like, I get where Evelyn's coming from. I, I feel for her in that light. And I was like, you forgave her a little too quickly for me. At least that's how I felt. That conversation that she had with her mom about her dad. And she's like, you know, did you love my, did you and dad love each other? Like, was there passion? And she's like, there was never passion. And she goes, I think there are different kinds of love in the world and, you know, different types of soulmates and things like that. And, you know, I, I, I 1000% believe that. I think, you know, you have like friends, soulmates who are always going to be there for you and you have, you know, whoever you love and that's, you know, your soulmate as well. And there's different types of soulmates throughout your life. And so for her to say, you know, 
it wasn't filled with passion. It wasn't, you know, hot and crazy and amazing and this and that, but we were happy and we had you and it was just like, Oh, and you know how she talks about, she's like, I don't know if I'm going to include this in the book. I don't, I don't know if, if I do, I'm going to have to tell my mom before, but like, I don't know if I'm going to include this in the book. And so that was very interesting situation with that whole thing. But um, yeah, I would have been in a fucking rage, man. Yeah, I thought the part. So then she obviously comes the next and she's like, I'll see you tomorrow. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'll never see you again. And she's like, I'll see you tomorrow for the photo shoot. And I did really like that part, I think, where she was like, come take a picture with me. And it's like Evelyn just getting the last word, I think. And having that piece and and that Monique is smart enough to realize like this is a piece of history and I do want this and like I I should say yes to this and we'll just take a picture and move on and and that'll be the end of that and I I did like that part but I just I don't know I would have been a little bit more furious I think that she was about everything and she just kind of is like I understand where she's coming from and what happened and basically forgave her within the span of 12 hours and I was like that's a little too swift for me I don't think she forgave her I think she is this ebb and flow of not understanding, but trying to figure it out. But um, yeah, I don't know. I was, you know, I mean, she writes it in her article. She's like, some days I'm in such a rage at her. And then some days I think she's the most amazing person I've ever met in my life. And I'm like, that's pushing it a little far. Like, don't you think she's not a good person? Like she's not in any way, like she is morally black, like 1000%, like there's no morally gray here. No grayscale here, man. Like she is, she's a terrible person. And she even says that. And so I, yeah, I agree. She, she definitely did kind of give her more of the benefit of the doubt than it's probably easier to do that. Um, because, you know, forgiving her is easier than just being angry at at ghosts, (laughs) you know? And so, you know, everyone leaves basically, and she has this conversation with Grace and Grace is like, yeah, we're going to on vacation or whatever. And then Evelyn comes out and they're kind of talking and she's like, I know you'll never forgive me and everything like that. But she has these moments she's talking, she's like, you know, what she kind of asks her, when are you dying? Kind of a, in a weird way, basically. And um, she says, I knew that breast cancer was a genetic thing and you find out that she has breast cancer and she doesn't have that long to live and it was just like oh okay interesting and then how did you feel about the rest how the rest of this played out no I thought it was interesting I had a feeling that this is how this was going to end because of all the times they brought up her article that she had written about like self-suicide and how elegantly she had written that and all that kind of stuff so I had a feeling this is kind of where it was going to go but it played out a little weird. Monique is like, I know that she's gonna, you know, like kill herself and she doesn't want the thing that made her famous to be the thing that ruins her. Um, and she's like, I could stop her. I should go and stop her. But instead I'm going to go meet my mom at the airport and like live my life. And I was like, that felt a little like, I don't know, cagey is the right word, but it was just uncomfortable. I think to like be back and forth. It was that. so unfair for Evelyn to put that on Monique. Yeah. Like so unfair for her to put that on Monique because Monique's gonna figure it out. Monique's not stupid. Right. And it's like for Evelyn to put that on Monique's conscience and to be like, <sighs> should I call the police? Should I go back for her? And all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, like to, to put that on her is so unfair. Yeah. I so agree. unfair. Also, so mean to Grace. Like, no one's gonna know this is happening. Like, 
Monique doesn't know when she's going to do it. You know, she could do it within the next, sometime within the next week. So she's like, do I call the cops? Do I this, do I that? And it's like, how also awful for Grace. She like comes back and Evelyn's dead. Like, like, yeah, it was so, <sighs> I was just, that whole thing was really uncomfortable. And I like felt bad because it's like, poor Grace is like putting her whole life into this. And then she's, she was not like a super relevant character, but you feel bad because you're like, yeah, well, Monique has figured it out. How has Grace not figured it out? And you know, mm-hmm. she's going to come back from her trip and her employer's going to be dead. And I don't know. Yeah. I just thought it was a weird ending. And I liked that she kind of had that conversation with herself where she was like, I don't know if I'm going to have to write this or if I'm going to leave this out of the book for my mom's sake. And like, you know, has that realization. I think it was a good cookie cutter ending. I think mm-hmm. it wrapped it all up. I have a newfound love for standalones um, that end well. I think I've read a few this month that have been good and I yeah. appreciate that. Um, I like that I don't have to pick up another like 300 pages to read about <laughs> like emotion and turmoil, especially from this book. I don't know if I could have done another one of these. Yeah. I thought it ended well. It was good. It, it was just um, Evelyn's cagey, you know? And <sighs> all the way to the very end and you're like I didn't like what a vibe Evelyn or Celia the or Celia I thought they were both annoying um but I will say the very last like two paragraphs of this book are my favorite I'll read it because it's literally my favorite thing of this entire my favorite lines of this entire book and she said I said it's basically a this is the article or the the excerpt that she put into the magazine from this like this exclusive and she goes I said, doesn't it bother you that your husbands have become such a headline story so often mentioned? They have nearly eclipsed your work and yourself that all anyone talks about when they talk about you are the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And her answer as quintessential Evelyn, no, she told me, because they are just husbands. I am Evelyn Hugo. And anyway, I think once people know the truth, they will be much more interested in my wife. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) So that was very, I I love that. I thought it was so... And it's like, it would be a perfect way to like segue and to be like, oh, yeah, by the way, this book is going to be released in like two years and da, 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 da. You know what I mean? And so I thought that was so interesting and so wonderful. And um, that last line was just like perfect. And so, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I thought the stories were so good. And I thought it was very reminiscent of, I guess, what, what old Hollywood and Hollywood probably still is like, you know what I mean? And how it isn't all glitz and glamour and it's brutal and terrible <laughs> like I would never want that it sounds terrible but yeah it what was, was your star rating kind of final thoughts I gave it a 4.5 so I gave it a 4.5 because I, I enjoyed it I really did I really liked it but I wouldn't say it's a five for me um I read it and I really enjoyed it and thought it was well written and everything but um this isn't one that's really like stuck with me. I feel like the books that I usually give fives are like ones that I think about after I read them. Like I'll red, white, world blue. I like looked up fan art afterwards. Like uh, there's so many that I've like uh, any of my five star reads are ones that I still to this day think about. Like they'll just like pop into my head and I'll just like think about them. Whereas Evelyn Hugo, I think I finished it and was like, okay, like, okay cool and it but it wasn't like one that I'm like this is stuck with me and I will never forget you know what I mean so 4.5 for me so what about you um I gave this one like a solid four I think it was pretty good again objectively it was really good it it doesn't hit quite so close to home for me I, I definitely didn't get emotional really at any point 
except for like that last paragraph at the end, but it was good. I enjoyed the plot twist. I thought it was written out really well. I just had a couple of problems with, I think Celia was like a terrible character and I found her to be just a bit annoying. And I think some of her romanticism of like Dawn and her previous husbands and the things that she like let them get away with, I struggled with. And I had a really hard time being like, this is okay. Even though I know it's written, supposed to be written in like that time period and stuff. But there's just a couple of things in there that I felt like were a little bit romanticized for me. And again, I would have liked a little bit more about Connor. I felt like Connor was an afterthought, even though that they tried to make her a big deal. That part wasn't written very well for me, like Connor's life and all the things that happened to her. So I would have liked, I think, a little bit longer of a book just to get a little more of like Connor's upbringing and her life and that kind of thing. So it's just like a solid four for me. I'm excited to read other books from Taylor and see what else she has. Um, I think that she's a really great author, but yeah, it's just a solid, like, it was a pretty good read. I liked it a lot, but um, yeah, there's just like a couple of character things that were like not yeah. so great for me. Yeah, I think it was worth, I think it was worth the hype and it's a good read and it's a good one. Yeah, to, absolutely. I definitely think it's worth the hype, but I I don't think it's the best book I've ever read. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it's better than and, a lot of books I've read. I think the writing true. is wonderful. The writing the is flow is great. And again, I was captivated, but mm-hmm. it's, okay, I agree with you. It's not something I'm ever going to read again. I'm not something yeah. I think about all the time, um, but yeah. objectively, yeah, it was like a really good book. Yeah. So, yep, definitely. I agree. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, we recommend it. If you want to pick it up, it's everywhere. So, <laughs> so um, definitely, I think it's a good one to pick up and read. And um, it's a very, like you said, a captivating story. So um, yeah, that's The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. But that's all we have for you guys this week as far as yeah. book stuff. Um, we are... What else do we have going on? What are other announcements? We are in our book club for September. We are doing (laughs) Fable and Namesake next as our uh, regular episode. So we'll be covering the two of those. I'm super excited about these. I really like these books. Super fun. Yep. Yep. That'll be a lot of fun. So very excited about that. That's it. That's all we have for you guys this week. Like it, like, follow, subscribe, all the fun things. We are on the Tickety Talk and Instagram at the Bookish Banjer Podcast. So send us a DM, uh, say hello. Um, let us know if you have any recommendations of anything that you'd like us to cover on here. Um, we are moving into spooky season here soon. So very excited for October and the holidays. So um, stay tuned for those. We have a lot of fun things rolling up for that. Um, but yeah, um, I hope you guys have a great rest of the week. And we'll see you next week. We'll see you on next Monday to talk about Fable. So um, that's all we got for you. Yeah, super excited. (gasps) Thanks for hanging out with us. Okay, Thank you. We love you guys. Bye. Peace. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bookish Banter podcast this week. We would appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave a five-star review. Thank you once again, and we'll see you all next week.